This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, ASX eats its right down on the digital asset chest debacle. CZ's $400 million shuffle. President Zelensky sanctions MOEX. And there's Indo-European CCP confusion. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 182. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the weekend market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. This week in bit carnage. It transpired SBF's guarantors are Ivy League colleagues of his Stanford professor parents, and a judge brought Sam back to court to discuss his usage of VPNs. Former Stanford Law School Dean Larry Kramer and Stanford tech researcher Andreas Peipke have been unmasked as those who underwrote the world's most leveraged security, SBF's $250 million bail with a $500,000 and $250,000 surety, respectively, plus SBF's parents' leasehold home, $4 million but very illiquid due to the land being owned by the university. Nothing to see there, claim the guarantors. They claim not to be implicated in FTX in any way, shape or form, and it's fair to believe they are supporting an old friend. At the same time, SBF claimed he was just watching NFL via his TV in the Bahamas, which raises questions on just what property he retains overseas, as well as his dubious connection to IP and sports rights, despite having had a stadium named after his company for tens of millions of dollars. However, the big news in crypto this past week was the SEC clampdown. First, the SEC came for the on-ramps and having done a lot on first base, that cut crypto v1.0 off from easy access to US dollar banking. Now the noose has been tightened by deftly targeting custody and essentially killing many cash crypto exchanges, which require coins to be deposited on exchange before trading. Clearly, GG is on a mission, and if that's third base, second base having been the effect of defenestration of US dollar stablecoins via the Paxos suit, one might live in hope that a home run is not far off. Quite what that home run entails is, of course, open to wild and vivid speculation. Frankly, it's tough to argue with GG's intentions here for the SEC after the crypto kiddies display destroyed value and left many mature financiers convinced the crypto business is a scammer's paradise. It didn't have to be this way, but ultimately the digital exchange parish brought this on itself. Meanwhile, FTX sought the return of $400 million from an obscure hedge fund and Binance sought to lead an SRO for crypto. That plan may have been undermined by news broken by Reuters that Binance had their own $400 million movement, Binance moving $400 million from their US partner, Binance.us, to a firm 
directly managed by CEO Zhao. $400 million moved through a supposedly independent US-related entity subsidiary regulated by the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, looks rather ugly. The Reuters report notes the CEO of Binance US at the time, Catherine Coley, wrote to a Binance finance executive in late 2020 asking for an explanation for the transfers, calling them unexpected and saying no one mentioned them. Where are those funds coming from? She wrote in one message. Coley, you may recall, left Binance US in 2021 and has essentially disappeared from public view. One thing unlikely to be disappearing from public view in the near term is our BitCarnage column. That comes out daily in Exchange Invest Monday through Friday and it's worth the annual $349 subscription package alone. That's before we account for the panoply of pith and insight about all the world's exchanges and market structure. Those arrive daily in your inbox via exchangeinvest.com. Ping us on social media or go to exchangeinvest.com to sign up for your free month trial. European exchanges are collaborating for the provision of a consolidated tape in the European Union, a worthy attempt to make sense of the shambles of execution which remains the EU's cack-handed attempts at a consolidated tape to date, part of the perpetual disappointment machine which has been Capital Markets Union. Sadly, it's the end of the road for JSE competitor ZARX, as the South African regulator has stripped it of its license. That was sad, but seemingly inevitable after ZARX had their license suspended in August 2021. Happier news from the Middle East, EGX and Saudi Tadawul have signed an MOU to exchange development mechanisms. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine, Put into effect by decree the decision of the National Security and Defence Council of Ukraine of February 19th, 2023, on the application and introduction of amendments to personal, special, economic and other restrictive measures, sanctions. What that means for the parish of exchanges is that MOEX, the Moscow Exchange, has been directly sanctioned, part of a wretched year from Russian markets as a result of the Russian government's appalling invasion of Ukraine. Happier news from the Philippines with more IPOs looming. The Philippine Stock Exchange hopes to have a new capital inflow to the exchange and thus the Philippine economy through Manila of $2.9 billion during the course of the year. Some relief in Mauritius after they halted flights and closed the stock exchange. The good news is that actually... Cyclone Freddy managed to pass about 120 kilometers to the north of the islands and thus did a relative paucity of damage, although there was a great deal of sea swell and risk of flooding on the coast of Mauritius itself. The Indian Bourses, they're reviewing the extension of equity futures and options trading hours. That's something being pushed by the National Stock Exchange of India and they're hoping to expand trading all the way up to 5 p.m. local time instead of the current 9.15 to 3.30 p.m. working hours. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. 
In results, it was a frenetic week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. ASX, their numbers were essentially flat, but of course they had a swinging tax write-off as they ate fiscal humble chess pie after the cluster mess of digital asset settlement system technology was finally cancelled and written off. In deals this week, likewise quite a busy week for deals, interesting to see that TMX Group completed the acquisition of Sigma Logic. They're the owner of Logically. Black Knight Ice, the deal spread has widened there somewhat on concern about the potential divestiture buyers. That's in relation to the announcement that Black Knight is maybe looking to sell off part or all of their internal technology platform in order to satisfy antitrust authorities. Meanwhile, the Zagreb Stock Exchange, they've boosted their stake in the Croatian Depository Agency. True, they're only up to a 2.5% net holding right now, but here's hoping Zagreb Stock Exchange can gradually acquire a more controlling interest in its national CSD. Because, of course, as we all know, and indeed we learned from Victory or Death, my latest book devoted to blockchain cryptocurrency in the fintech world, settlement is a key aspect of all fundamental tenets of markets moving forward. If you'd like to read that book, Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide, available in major bookstores, including, of course, the online giants like Barnes & Noble and Amazon. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream. That's on Tuesdays at 6pm London time, 1 o'clock New York time, the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on... Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. Last Tuesday, we had an epic show. That was IPO-vid 95 with Tim Worstel discussing what have we got in reserve, specifically devoted to the fascinating world of minerals and indeed water, often called rare earths. Many, many myths debunked in the course of that show. Absolutely a must-watch, ladies and gentlemen. Coming this week, we've got IPO-vid 96, and that's going to be Jeff. Jeffrey Cutler's Journey from ATMs to Cryptocurrencies, a great discussion with an award-winning American journalist. Product news this week, the Beijing Bourse has launched its stock market-making trading facility. It officially launched market-making with 13 market makers registered. ICE have opened up the arbitrage window in London. They've launched their new TTF gas futures and options. That's based out of London as planned. The option is available, therefore, to anybody who's interested in the gas price. You can trade EU capped or UK free. Expect fireworks and spreads if the gas price gets anywhere near the EU's rather arbitrary limit. Euronext have launched the Bell ESG Index. SIBO have extended their options trading hours to fit traders in all time zones too. Will the liquidity follow, I wonder? European options have been notoriously much less liquid than their counterparts in the USA, even, for example, in equivalent names that are actually have their home listing in Europe. Try, for example, Ferrari options on Borsa Italiana versus US race options, which are way more liquid when the US markets are open. MCX, Multi-Commodity Exchange of India, they're going to be launching Zinc Mini Futures contracts February 17th. And ICE are going to launch three Washington State Carbon Alliance Futures in March. 
The Indian power regulator, they've okayed a new market segment for expensive power. And France and Germany have extended transition periods for trades from Indian clearing houses. That's, of course, all part of the rather chaotic process by which Europe seems to have de-recognized Indian clearing houses, albeit nobody's quite sure what is exactly happening. Technology news this week. Six shocked the market by scrapping the multi-year BME, that's the Spanish exchange, which Six owns trading platform integration due to unexpected complexity. At the same time, B3 in Brazil, they've chosen Vermiculous to deliver a best-in-class CSD system. Digitrend.com is leveraging Nasdaq technology to establish its new cryptocurrency exchange. And Euronext have been forced to delay their commodities data due to the ION attack, something that's been happening the world over in terms of commodities data. EDI have launched the Luxembourg Funds data service. Quad have acquired Xignite. And indeed, going on about that ION hack of last week, the derivatives market, the Financial Times intoned sternly, has still been hit by fallout from the cyber attack on iron markets several weeks ago. Regulation news this week. The CSRC, the Chinese regulators, have been moving to soothe nerves, saying that new regulations they've imposed will not lead to a blanket ban on mainland investors trading stock in Hong Kong or overseas shares. At the same time, the SEC have finalised the rules for shortening the equity securities process from T plus 2 to T plus 1. The DTCC very excited about that. The T plus 1 implementation date has been set for May 28, 2024. Bit of a bad week for the Options Clearing Corporation in the end in relation to Federal regulators' allegations that the world's largest options clearing house had fallen short on enforcing policies designed to manage its operational risks. OCC is ultimately going to pay in total $22 million in fines. And that, of course, brings us back to this whole kerfuffle about India and European clearing recognition. Has to be said, the removal of CCP recognition even on India which the EU says is not its fault, although I thought they actually began the process of derecognition. Anyway, hashtag it's complicated. But when you look at the chaos that's ensuing from simply cutting off the recognition of India's clearinghouses in Indian rupee products, which are a minor effective marketplace for major European banks, that strikes me as a very, very modest harbinger of things to come if the European Union opts for its suicide pact of forcing euro product clearing to come into CCPs on the continent and predominantly out of London. Career paths this week. The ASX has gone through another company secretary, Lucy Barnett. She has resigned as a company secretary of ASX Limited, effective 17th of February. She was only appointed last October 19th. Somebody who lasted longer in office in Australia, but then he was running a rival platform. Cebo Australia's CEO, Vic Djokovic, is retiring as planned. His successor is going to be Emma Quinn, who joins Cebo Australia from Alliance Bernstein, where she was global co-head of equity trading. Also interesting in that announcement to see that the Cebo's international man of mystery Asia Supremo, Adi Cordell, has been confirmed as having relocated to Singapore. 
His former position as head of Cebo Netherlands has been assumed by Alex Daly, formerly the co-head of sales European equities for Cebo. Over in Brussels, Benoit van den Hove will succeed Vincent van Dessel as CEO of Euronext Brussels as van Dessel reaches the mandatory retirement age. And congratulations to Oleg Takshenko, the chief executive officer of Ukrainian Exchange, who's become a new member of the board of the International Association of Exchanges of the CIS countries. Now, when it comes to exchanges, ladies and gentlemen, as many listeners will know who have heard my rants, seen my speeches, etc. in recent years, all of which I have to say are also available for your group on decent commercial terms for conferences and internal meetings. Well, PLY, me, I'm partial to noting how frustrating it is that unthinking pillocks grace too many startup conferences with gushing statements to the effect of, OMG, Uber is the world's biggest car service but doesn't own any of the vehicles. And of course, related comments on other Web 2.0 megastar businesses. Naturally, the simple answer to this unthinking gush is to note that it's because Mercado Libre, eBay, Uber, et al. are exchanges. Of course, they don't have to own inventory. Albeit, those are exchanges beyond the regulatory world's remit. Anyway, congratulations to one of that number of outlying B2B and B2C and C2C digital exchanges that have been on the web for many years. A household name in every sense has finally broken into profit. Airbnb's move into the fiscal black has been considerably helped by revenue from cleaning fees. Probably not something exchanges in the regulated parish can consider, but it must be tempting to try. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for listening to this podcast number 182 of the Exchange Invest Weekly podcast. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.